Welcome to the third episode of WEC Connects. My name is Claudia Belloso and I am the Student Services Manager at Washington English Center. Today, we welcome Argus Boczkowski, who has volunteered at WEC since 2015 as a teacher and has been doing the Financial Literacy Club since 2020. Before that, Argus volunteered teaching English at Catholic Charities for several years in Fairfax, and before that, taught English in an ESL program during college at William & Mary. He currently works for the House of Representatives as a manager and has a small solo law practice specializing in family law and defending repondents in civil commitment hearings. Thank you, Argus, for being here with us today. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. I would like to start by asking you this. What are some common financial challenges that immigrants and refugees face when trying to settle down in the United States? Well, I would say it's very country specific as far as where they're coming from. Some people, our banking system, our financial system is almost identical except for a few idiocentric differences. However, some people are coming from countries where that have no banking system, uh, who have don't use banks, everything's a cash transaction. Mm-hmm. So depending on what country they're from, there's major differences. Um, I would say if you're someone who, you know, in the club, we have people, again, coming from uh, all different types of countries. Uh, uh, like uh, we've had people from Afghanistan, so they're coming from a place that, again, has no banking system to speak of. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we a lot of people maybe from South Korea where Maybe the only difference is their banks close at 2 p.m. and ours are open oh. until 5. So yeah. uh, so it's, again, I tr- we try to be very flexible as far as what individuals need to know. Mm-hmm. And it's, the club is welcome, of course, to everyone. So it's designed to be of interest to people who are basically subject matter experts already and people who know nothing about the area. So. Right. Yeah, we have, you know, as you say, they come from different countries and it is a very different system here in terms of banking and hours. Um, yeah, every country has their things. And you never know as far as like what they don't know. One of the things I was surprised to learn was uh, night deposit boxes. I've yet to find a single person who even knew what that was. Mm-hmm. And I just took for granted that, oh yeah, everyone knows what a night deposit box, but maybe it's just an American thing. Yeah. So far, not a single person is <laughs> yeah. even knowing what that is. Right. And Understanding your experience uh, teaching financial literacy at WC, what are some of the best financial practices that immigrants and refugees can implement to help save the money and build wealth in the long term? Well, one thing uh, that has been very uh, uh, paramount over the whole club since we've started was the instability of the global economy, which is you know, the answer five years ago to that question would be completely different than the answer today. Uh, right now, the best advice is just to stay flexible, um, stay uh, where you kind of invest in yourself, make sure that, you know, your skill set is growing. That's probably right now the best way to prepare for the future. Because um, if you tell people to, okay, buy bonds or buy Uh, dividend-paying stocks. Well, I don't know that bonds right now are outpacing inflation. They're not. They haven't for years. Dividend-paying stocks, even traditional blue-chip reliable stocks have lost a third of their value in the last couple years. So Mm. uh, again, right now, I think it's kind of wait and see 
and just be flexible and maybe don't go all in in either direction as far as the economy booming in the future or the economy tanking in the future. Maybe just right now, wait and see. Um, how can immigrants and refugees establish credit and build a strong credit score in the United States? And again, that's a, a kind of uniquely American concept that a lot of people mm -hmm. have never heard of. So you have to kind of explain to them, hey, this is what a credit score is. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's, in America, it's very important. You kind of, everyone has to know it. And things, everything from housing to transportation to your job can, you know, depend on what your credit score is. Mm -hmm. um, one of the things, again, is just, uh, and again, the immig immigrant community, a lot of people uh, are self-employed or have uh, maybe side jobs in addition to the regular job. But uh, the best way to establish your credit is just have a uh, stable source of income for a long time. Know what impacts your credit score as far as length of time of your oldest you know, account that you've opened, how much debt you have. Um, and just keep in mind, again, in kind of the global economy right now is the overarching thing because the last 20 years, it's been very easy to get credit in America because we've basically had 0% interest rates for, you know, mm. 20 years. Now we're starting to have interest rates again, which is going to tighten the uh, lenders, meaning they're not going to make uh, loans as uh, easily as they used to. So that's just, you know, something to keep in mind. So credit score is going to be even more important if you want to get good interest rates, if you want to, you know, have car loans, house loans, all those things available to mm -hmm. you. And also, like, following up to that in terms of, like, a credit score, how do you build a credit score? For someone, like, let's say if, if I don't have or someone that I know doesn't have, uh, like, a Social Security number or an I-10 number, because usually for a credit score, that's what you need, what do we do in, in that case for someone that, like, if I don't have a Social Security number or an I-10, how Well, can typically, I build anyone should be able to, even if you don't have a Social Security number, you should be able to get a tax identification number. Sometimes that's mm -hmm. enough. Uh, and the best... I would say the best way to begin to build your credit score to start, um, one of the things I always recommend to people is uh, store credit cards. They're usually the standards to get those are typically much lower than to get like a traditional credit card from mm -hmm. like Visa or Capital One, something like that. Mm -hmm. So getting a Macy's card typically has a lower uh, threshold. Um, so start there. You can have someone co-sign for you on a card that will impact your credit and that'll help you begin to establish your credit. Mm -hmm. um, typically though, <laughs> because everything's so global, de again, depending on what country you're coming from, mm -hmm. if you have a history in another country, that'll translate over here. Um, and again, this is assuming lenders are very eager to lend money, which has been the case, but impossible mm -hmm. to predict, mm -hmm. you know, in the next two, three years. Okay. Yeah. So with that information, just, you know, for anyone that's listening, remember that personal finance is a journey and it's important to take small steps towards your financial goals every day. Seek out resources and support from your local community, whether it's through financial education programs or connecting with other immigrants and refugees who have navigated similar financial challenges. Here at WEC, we understand the importance, which is why we support our students with free clubs like this to help them in their journey. To know more about our classes and clubs, such as this one as our Financial Literacy Club, um, visit us at www.washingtonenglish.org. We'll be right back and we'll continue talking with Argus 
Bochkowski, volunteer at WEC. Washington English Center has more than 30 years of experience bringing together students from more than 100 countries. Our mission? To provide affordable English language instruction and workforce programs to adult immigrants using qualified volunteer teachers. Registration is open now for our spring term, which will begin on April 17th. We're offering in-person and online classes, one-on-one tutoring sessions, and citizenship preparation. WEC is here to continue helping immigrants and refugees achieve their dreams and give them the best gift one can have, the freedom to speak. To register, visit us at www.washingtonenglish.org. So we continue talking with Argus about personal finance one-on-one. Argus, how can immigrants and refugees navigate the complex U.S. tax system and avoid common tax mistakes? Well, this is the big question. And <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> again, obviously, very individual specific. So if you're, uh, you know, unmarried and you have a you have one source of income and mm-hmm. it's, you know, you're an employee in an employee uh, relationship, uh, it's relatively easy. You know, one th- common thing people don't know is you, in America you have to pay state tax and federal tax, or if you're a D.C. resident, D.C. tax. Um, so that's one thing. If you, again, or if you have a simple uh, tax situation where you're just maybe getting one W-2, maybe you can do it yourself. Uh, there's, I would, you know, the services like TurboTax, there's also a lot of free services. Uh, probably you can handle that, and you don't need to actually go see and hire a uh, tax professional. However, if your uh, taxes are complicated and let's say you have a side business in addition to your uh, regular job or you have uh, some deductions as far as uh, home repairs that you think might possibly be eligible for deductions, I would say don't be ashamed if you're an immigrant to pay a tax professional. Don't feel that, oh, I should be able to do this by yourself. A lot of people who are very sophisticated who've lived in America their whole lives, who's, you know, English is their first uh, language, pay tax professionals because it is, like you said, very complicated. So there's no shame in hiring someone, especially if it's your first time, your first five times. Take a while, but also maybe interact with the tax professional and ask him, hey, why are you doing this? So you can learn and then maybe in the future feel confident enough to do it yourself. But it is complicated. Keep that in mind and feel no shame in asking for help. Yeah. And mainly, like, for those that have families as well, like, it becomes tricky, like, the, like, I guess, like, when it comes to children, including the children, if if you're married, including your partner, or if you're doing separated, like, it's different ways to exactly, file taxes exactly, as well. Exactly. Okay. What about retirement? This is another big one. What are some of the most important things that immigrants and refugees need to know about investing and retirement planning in the United States. And again, this is another big one. Mm-hmm. Typically, traditionally in America, to be eligible for Social Security, you need 40 eligible uh, periods, meaning uh, 10 years that you need to work in total to be eligible for Social Security. Okay. So it's not just, oh, I'm 62 or 65 or 67, mm-hmm. so I automatically get a payment. It's I paid in and I'm getting money back. Mm-hmm. A lot of people don't know that. Um, there are, and this is why it gets complicated, it depends on what country you're from, there are certain countries that have uh, treaties with America where 
we recognize the work you did in that country. And that can, so if you work 10 years in another country, but now you live in America, we will recognize that and that you'll be eligible for social security here. So it's just things like that. Uh, so for everyone, it's different. As far as investing, like I said, it's really impossible to predict the future right now. Again, five years ago, I would have said buy a house, invest in stocks, mm-hmm. have bonds. Um, who knows? And again, right now, it's probably just important to save money, make as much money as you can, make sure you are uh, individually valuable and can demand a price uh, that'll make it easier for you in unstable time. Would you know right now what is the retirement age? Well, in America, it's, and again, always it changes. debate <laughs> to go higher and higher. I believe it's 62, 65, or 67, and you're eligible uh, for different payouts depending on when you select it. Mm. Um, so at 62, you get a certain percentage. At 65, a certain percentage. And 67, you would get max. You would max it out. Mm. Um, and another thing people don't know, and I've, I learned this by doing the club, a lot of uh, countries, uh, there's different retirement ages for different sexes. So females mm-hmm. can retire earlier than males. In wow. a, a lot of countries, I was shocked. Um, in America, that's not the case. Yeah, that's new to me. <laughs> and like, there are different ages where you can retire. And again, in other countries, it's one age, everyone retires at this age. But mm-hmm. here you have to kind of make a decision and work out, okay, what's what makes the most sense for me? Do I get less money and I retire early? Or do I get more money, but then for three years, I get nothing. So you have to kind of do the math and figure out, you know, I know it's morbid, but how long do you expect to live? <laughs> and yeah. Those type of questions you have to ask yourself. True that. Um, I know there's like a term, something about like compound. Do you do you know about that term? And if you can explain. Compound like interest. Yeah, or something like so, that. So, yeah. With- so basically the idea of that is. And this is good for retirement, too, and Mm -hmm. a lot of people pay into a 401k. Um, What that is is you put money in. There's two types, Roth or a traditional IRA. So traditional IRA, you don't pay taxes at the time you pay into it. You pay the taxes when you take it out. Mm -hmm. Uh, What that means is uh, all the time that the money's in there, and what it is, you're putting it basically with professional money managers who the idea is, is, you know, managing it and it's growing year after year. And it's growing based on uh, the untaxed portion. So it's a larger portion that they get to manage and grow. And also because you're not taking money out, the money's staying in the account so they can build it the whole time. Mm-hmm. Right. So the interest you're getting, if you're buying bonds with it, if the managers are buying bonds or the dividends, everything's being reinvested. So they're managing the reinvested money, basically, is what compound would be um, versus you withdraw all of the money uh, if you had a regular account. Mm-hmm. So the money that you're making isn't growing uh, at the same rate because you're withdrawing it. So only the amount that you actually put in is growing. So the principal is growing, not the the interest, if that makes sense. Okay. All right. And how can immigrants and refugees protect their finances and avoid financial scams and fraud? Well, this is a big topic, and we have a very fun lesson that we always do on this where I go out every semester, 
and I find as many kind of scams that are out there right now as possible, and we have everyone read uh, the scams, mm. and I say, okay, where's the scam? Why, how do you know this is a scam? And every semester, I also have to find new ones because there's some kind of new thing that's out there, so it's, you always have to be aware. But one of the things is just, uh, for one, be humble enough to recognize anyone can fall for a scam, so don't think, oh, that's just, you know, that's not for me, I can't do it. Anyone can, if you're not thinking. It's, these scams are designed to prey on people who are distracted, designed to prey on people who are some kind of emotionally not thinking rational at the time. So mm -hmm. they're trying to make you scared, they're trying to make you angry. Um, again, one of the things to avoid is just uh, any, any kind of email you get, any kind of text message, a WhatsApp, WhatsApp has become <laughs> increasingly uh, attacked. Um, anything that's kind of using urgency language, do this right now, please, you have to do this. Mm -hmm. You know, that should send up a bunch of red flags. And, mm -hmm. and just keep in mind the immigrant community is always targeted. So if you're part of that community, just understand, hey, I'm, I'm the type of person they're looking to uh, exploit. So mm -hmm. you know, being aware of that probably helps. And it seems like it's, it's sometimes done professionally, but sometimes I've noticed that, at least for me, there's some errors with the grammar sometimes it's like a misspelled word or something but um i guess just being aware of what accounts you have the bank that you're with because sometimes it might say oh you have a you forgot to pay this on google purchase or something or amazon um things like that being aware because sometimes yeah you probably place an order on walmart and it's like they know that and then they follow up and they're like, oh, you, your order was in place because you didn't make the payment. Like little things like that is probably also good to be aware, like what you have paid, checking your bank statements before actually making a payment. Like if you get a follow up email or something, um, I know that's like through my own experience. I just know better not to make those payments. Like, no, I know I paid, but yeah, that exactly. could be something for them to be aware of. Um, so we'll be right back and we'll continue talking with Argus, a volunteer at Washington English Center. Become a volunteer. Join Washington English Center's incredible team of volunteers to make a difference in someone else's life as well as your own. We offer both in-person and online volunteer opportunities. You can register to volunteer on our website, www.washingtonenglish.org, to learn more. Argus, how can immigrants and refugees best manage their debt and avoid falling into debt traps? Well, this is a hard one, and a lot of Americans have a lot of trouble with this, too. So it's uh, kind of broad advice for everyone. But um, keep in mind, in America, and it, this has been, again, truer maybe presently and in the past than it will be in the future, but credit's been uh, extended very, very freely and very aggressively um, and lenders typically keep they don't lend as, uh, thinking about how much you can handle they lend on th based on how much how profitable it is to them mm. so they will lend you more than you need more they'll lend you enough to put you in a spot where uh, you're making late payments where it's kind of a burden to ever pay it down they don't want you to pay it down they want you perpetually in debt so keep that in mind that you need to make the decision as far as how much I need to borrow. Don't let, don't have the mindset of how much can I get, you know, keeping, uh, has to be how much do I need. 
Um, also, just like with the scams we talked about a second ago, these are predatory and they know that the immigrant community uh, uh, can be targets and uh, unfortunately they are. Um, we have a lot of risky loans, uh, predatory loans, uh, that's kind of a common thing. Uh, payday loans, car loans, things mm -hmm. like this that are uh, title loans that are very high interest. So uh, keep that in mind. I would try to avoid debt at all if you can right now. Um, and again, the traditional, you know, try to, if you're going to take out debt, you know, you want to kind of keep it somewhat traditional, uh, Visa, <laughs> Capital One, something mm -hmm. like that. Try to avoid these, you know, payday loans, these high interest uh, uh, kind of uh, mini mall uh, loan establishments mm -hmm. that you see. What is, for someone who doesn't know, what is an interest rate? And then... What is a good interest rate? Because they see those different numbers, 6%, 4.2%. Like, what is a good interest rate and what is an interest rate? Well, it really depends on... Uh, well, so an interest rate is basically the amount you're paying for the loan. So if you think of it that way, it's the amount it costs to have the loan. Um, so you have the principal, that's the amount you're borrowing, mm -hmm. and then the interest rate is anything above that that you're paying for it. Uh, and it's uh, every month you're paying... You know, whether it's 5%, 6%, whatever. Typically, interest rates for secured loans are lower, meaning a loan where the person lending you the money ha will have access to what you're buying. So if you're buying a car, a car mm. that's a secured loan because if you don't pay it, they'll take the a car. If they have the car, at least they can sell it, get some of their money back. Mm. So you would expect to have a smaller interest rate for something like that. Home loan, same thing. If you don't pay your home uh, loan, they foreclose, they have the house. So you typically get a lower interest rate. Those uh, home loans are also subsidized by the government, which makes it even lower. Unsecured interest rates like credit cards are typically much higher. They can be as high as right now. Again, what's good, what's not good. What's good today was terrible 10 years ago. And what's uh, good today might be great 10 years from now. So it's really hard to say what's good uh, 20% interest rate, I think, is almost common now for credit cards. So something like that. Is that good? Mm -hmm. Probably not, but it's probably normal. We'll be right back and we'll continue talking with Argus Bochkowski, volunteer at WEC. WEC invites you to join us for our 30th anniversary spring event held on Wednesday, May 10th at 6.30 p.m. at the Planet Word Museum. Throughout the cocktail reception, Guests will enjoy live music and appetizers, a chance to explore the museum, and the opportunity to hear directly from our students. Do you want to learn more? Corporate and individual sponsorships, as well as individual tickets, are available at www.washingtonenglish.org forward slash spring event. We look forward to seeing you on May 10th. And what, because there's talks about this everywhere right now, the recession. What are your thoughts about that? Uh, what should we start doing, uh, especially like in terms of the community right now, the immigrant and the refugee community? What do you, what advice do you have for them in terms of this supposedly recession that we may have again? And, you know, I mentioned this before, but probably, you know, anyone who says, hey, I think inflation or interest rates are going to be this in five years, even saying if they'll be up or down, 
is, uh, I don't think is, I think they're guessing. I think it's impossible to know. So right now I would just be as nimble as possible. Don't go all in on any idea, meaning don't go all in on the idea that the economy is going to fall apart and don't go all in on the idea that the economy is going to be fine. Right at this moment in time, uh, I would be flexible. I would kind of invest in myself um, because, and I think immigrants are really good at that um, as far as keeping your investments with you, meaning whether it's your mind, your skill set, whatever, um, that's going to be the safest bet because then no matter what the economic conditions are five years from now, you as an individual should be able to navigate that because your value is going to be within you. So learn you know, a trade, learn, you know, have a side business that's kind of growing, have a couple side businesses in case one doesn't work, have the other. But, you know, just uh, I think things are right now kind of unstable globally. Um, so just that's good because that can mean for a person just coming to America, if you're trying to make a you know path here, instability makes opportunities. So just be aware of that. Be flexible. Be ready to act when the time is right. Okay. And finally, my last question, what advice would you give to immigrants and refugees who are just starting their financial journey in the United States? I would say take it nice and slow. There's a lot to learn. There's a lot that people who've lived here their whole lives kind of take for granted that you just kind of know when the banks are open, you know when they're closed, you know how to apply for a credit card, you know uh, what things you can get loans for, you know if I buy a house, I need a real estate agent, you know. So everything you do if you're an immigrant, uh, it's going to be a new thing. You're going to have to learn uh, a whole new field that everyone around you might, you know, think is, oh, well, this is common sense. Why don't you know this? But don't, you know, take it slow. Um, be humble. Learn. And very shortly, I think you'll get it and, uh, you know, really gain a lot of expertise that I think will put you above and beyond what the typical uh, person who's lived here their whole life knows. So. Yeah. And one question just popped to mind, even though I just said my final question, but in terms of credit, you know, we've been mentioning credit score. Um, how can someone know their credit score? What is a safe, um, like, program or a safe place where they can check? If, you know, so there's three score? companies off the top of my head. I'm Experian, TransUnion, and I can't remember the third one. Uh, but if you just Google... Uh, you know, the credit score check. There's three companies that are have a contract with the government basically mm -hmm. to uh, provide credit scores and to track credit scores. And um, you're allowed to get a free report from each one of them once a year. Mm -hmm. um, so you basically, f now here's the thing. They'll also, even though they have a contract with the government and it's legitimate, they will still try to trick you into, uh, as you're, going there to look up your free score, which you're entitled to, which is completely free. You mm -hmm. never have to pay anything to get it. They will try to sell you, hey, here's a monthly subscription for $5 and we'll mm -hmm. track your credit score. And, and if you don't know that, hey, that's not part of what I'm trying to buy, you might accidentally inadvertently sign up for that. Mm -hmm. So just keep in mind, you can Google and it's pretty self-explanatory. They'll put in information. You just put in the information verifying who you are. And at the end of the process, you'll get your credit score right then and there. You can download it. Um, and again, each each company, you can do it uh, once a year. But just keep in mind, at any point, if they're trying to make you pay for anything, mm -hmm. they're saying you have to give us your credit card and it's going to be $5 a month, 
you've at some point you clicked on the wrong box at some point you've signed up for something go back cancel it um and just be aware of that it shouldn't cost you anything to check your credit score okay. wow. so don't be afraid to ask for help or advice when it comes to managing your finances stay focused on your long-term financial goals even when facing short-term obstacles and celebrate your progress along the way ultimately by taking control of your finances and building a strong financial foundation you can create a better future for yourself and your loved ones in the united states argus thank you so much for being with us today um for sharing your your thoughts and what you know about uh credit and everything for our community here thank you so much thank you for being with us this podcast is created by wec and produced by sara davila and edited by alejandro rizzo see you next time